Welcome to Unity of Tucson. I want to start today with a quote of Ernest Holmes this morning. Ernest Holmes being the founder of the religious science arm of the New Thought Movement, and he offered this. I love this. The person who can throw themselves with complete abandon into that limitless sea of receptivity, having cut loose from all apparent moorings, is the one who will always receive the greatest reward. I will say it again. The person who can throw themselves with complete abandon into the limitless sea of receptivity, having cut loose from all apparent moorings, is the one who will always receive the greatest reward. Right? What are you willing to throw yourself into? That's the first question. What are you willing to throw yourself into? You know, when I, when I think about this... I mean, he says, with complete abandon, complete abandon into the limitless sea of receptivity, into that which is willing to take on whatever it is we choose to put into it and allow the flow to unfold perfectly, easily, and effortlessly in the way that it will, having cut loose from all apparent moorings. That's an important phrase. Because what it is saying is we must be willing to let go of all the stuff that we tend to drag with us into trying to jump into that limitless sea of receptivity. Because here's what happens. That sea of receptivity is receptive. Thank you. (laughs) It's like, this is going to be an interesting day. So the sea of receptivity is, uh, it, it is receptive to everything. So if you're bringing all those things all those moorings of past ideas into your, perfect per, into your perfect present moment and letting that be impressed upon the sea of receptivity, what you're going to create is all of that stuff over and over and over again. So are you willing to set that all aside once and for all? I think that is what we are here to do, to continue to rediscover all that is ours to rediscover. And I think one of the most magnificent things we can discover about ourselves and about each other and about this thing called life is that this thing called life has a purpose. I stated it before, Thomas Troward saying that the purpose of life is to experience joy. That's it, right? Do you believe that you can experience joy no matter what, all the time? And the rest of you? It's the goal. It's the goal, right? Because I'm going to let you in on a little secret. While I know that that is a purpose, and I hold firm in that idea of being a purpose for me, I'm not doing it all the time. I'm not there yet. And I'm a minister, twice ordained, and now with a doctorate. Like, that's all paper. That's all paper. I think that joy is our dharma. And I think that the more deeply we discover our dharma, 
the more we are living our life purpose. You know, uh, Deepak Chopra defines dharma as purpose in life, and there's a deeper definition to it, but I wanna, I wanna use that idea, that the idea of dharma is freedom to be, the freedom to live our purpose. The dharma of fire is to burn, he wrote. The dharma of water is to flow. What is your dharma? And are you living it? In the Hindu tradition, the goal is to achieve dharma, which is a code of living that emphasizes good conduct and morality. I see a lot of bad conduct going on all around me, and I choose not to participate in that. And sometimes I still get caught up in it. But the nice thing is that the more I recognize and realize that that's what's going on, I am doing what I call narrowing the gap from realization to action in a different direction. I used to get really caught up in all the stuff. Oh my gosh, the world of politics. It's not to my liking in the world of this and the world of that and the world, the world, the world, the world. And I've started aligning myself and identifying myself with all the stuff out there rather than remembering who I am right here in this moment, that my purpose in life is joy. And it is not defined by anything out there. In fact, I'm the one who derives from within the joy that I I then impress upon the world. And if I'm willing to do that, what I see is all of those things that I used to look to start to fall away because they are not able to be held up in my life if I know who I am. So what is your dharma? And are you living it? Are you living it? Are you striving to live it? Because that's maybe where we get to in this moment, striving to live it. More and more, I'm allowing more and more. Good, light, life, peace, beauty, joy. Now, some traditions... believe and teach that the purpose of Jesus' time on this plane of action was to invite us all to look within, to find beingness. That that's what Jesus' message was. Love, period. There's nothing more to say there. Love, and understand that as your beingness. And so that's how I choose personally to interpret Palm Sunday, which today is Palm Sunday. And this is the beginning of Holy Week in traditional Christian, in the traditional Christian faith. So Palm Sunday, of course, falls on the week before Easter, the Sunday before Easter. And in the scripture, in scripture, there's a story around Palm Sunday where Jesus, the man, rides into Jerusalem on a donkey. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do this again. Sandy and I never coordinate what we're ever going to talk about, but her meditation this morning was perfect because she talked about Jesus entering Jerusalem on a donkey. <laughs> so Jesus the man rides into Jerusalem on a donkey. Now, why is it a donkey? Why is it a donkey? Because it's not like they didn't have horses because the donkey is representative of humility, humbleness. 
to say, I don't need to ride in on a horse. I know who I am. And as he rides in, the crowd are laying palm branches in front of him to guide the path, to create the path before him. That's why it's called Palm Sunday. Right? The people greeted Jesus not as a Messiah, not as the Messiah, but as a leader who could overthrow the Romans. Because I don't know if you know, there was a lot of tension, a lot of conflict between the Romans and Jerusalem at that time. And so Jesus was there in their eyes as someone, oh, he can overthrow the Romans. So they were welcoming him with open arms. Now, if we look at some metaphysical and metaphorical interpretation of that, the Romans are representative of the circumstantial world. Remember, remember what I talked about before? The world, the world, the world, the world. That's what the Romans are representing, right? And the circumstantial world is subject to our individualized Christ nature. That's what Jesus was demonstrating as he rode into Jerusalem. That that out there is subject to this idea, to this thought, to this individualization of the one. He who remembers who he is so deeply, she who remembers who she is, they who remember who they are so deeply that there is absolute faith that is unshakable in that. And when we remember who we are and we have accepted our divinity as the innate identity, then life unfolds according to our dharma, our purpose, which is joy. So as we accept our identity, and that is the triumphant but humble ride, imagine yourself on a donkey. (laughs) We release from mind, we release ourselves from the bondage of old programming. That's what it's all about. Let us release ourselves from the grip of old programming. You know, Not your typical Palm Sunday message, but we're kind of like iPods. Remember those? I mean, everybody listens to their music on their phone now. But remember iPods? It was like, and you could, you could, here's the nice thing about the iPod. In fact, I'm going to call it iGod. Because you are each and every one of you iGod, right? So on the iPod, or you as iGod, can download exactly that which is in alignment with your greatest good the songs you enjoy, that which you love, right? We are the same. We can download that which is inherent and brings us and guides us in joy. From the infinite, not from the world, we download it and then we express it, which was the only purpose of the iPod, to play music, right? To express. How how did your ecstatic dance party go? Uh, Wonderfully. Awesome. And so we are that. (laughs) I got myself a little lost. I'm sorry. So we are that. We are I, God. That should have been the title of my talk now. (laughs) Before you go. Am I getting wound up for next week before before, I go? Right. I I don't know. Maybe. Well, so here's one of the things that's going on for me. I feel like I have so much to say, and there is a little bit of me going, oh my gosh, I have this week and next week, and then I'm on sabbatical for 10 weeks. And I want to kind of get it all out, but it's not going to be possible, so you're going to get what you get. All right, continuing on. (laughs) It's all perfection, and it's all... And the thing is, it's all joy. Are we we having a good time? Awesome, because that's what it's all about. So 
that which is inherent, the, 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 the old programming must give way to the truth of who we are. When we remember who we are, that third aspect of our mission statement, when we remember who we are, then life is lived in joy. And who are we? I, God. We are the Christ. We are the Christ. Jesus was not separate, and Jesus never claimed to be separate. Jesus was here to teach us that we are, each and every one of us, individualizations of the Christ energy, the Christ consciousness, the Christ, Christ as defined by Charles Fillmore, the divine energy in human beings. It abides in each person as potential perfection. You are perfect just as you are. Every single one of you is perfect just as you are. There is absolutely nothing wrong with you. Do you believe that? Yes. Good. Absolutely. Because too many people are walking around assuming there's something wrong with them. There is perfection in each of us. And are we realizing its expression in our lives? Or are we holding ourselves back because there is some erroneous idea that keeps playing itself out over and over and over again in our minds that is limiting the expression of our good? Our good is here to be had and to be expressed. As our perception of limitation gives way to the infinite, we become the living embodiment of the Christ consciousness. That's what Jesus was here to invite us all into, not to set himself apart. It, were, it was other people who said he should be set apart as something else. Jesus never said that. So this ministry... Here at Unity of Tucson, we stand for the revelation of each person's inherent identity, which is perfection. That's what we stand for here. You are perfect, absolutely perfect, just the way you are. The fundamental premise upon which all creation exists and rests is this. Perfect God, perfect humanity, perfect being. It's all perfect, but maybe it should be rephrased in this manner. Perfect humanity being perfect God. Because that's God's nature in you, as you. Perfection. Palm Sunday represents boldness. I am nothing if not bold. <laughs> I say some things that trigger people. I know, I know that I trigger people. I get it. But that's also why I start the service every week by saying... If something butts up against your belief, that's the trigger. If something butts up against your belief system, just have a willingness to take a look at it. I'm not telling you to change it. I'm just saying take a look at it. Just take a look at it. Is this a belief system that is working for you to live your most magnificent experience of life? Because if it's not, guess what? I can't change it for you. But you might decide to change it for yourself. And you can change. You can change your beliefs. You're not relegated to a world of limitation just because you decided you were at some point in your life. You're not. You are magnificent. Shine that light. Share that magnificence. Share the inherent perfection that you are with the world. So Palm Sunday, as I said, represents boldness. boldness. It is stepping triumphantly into our own power, each and every one of us, but never at the expense of others. 
never at the expense of others. I often say that the great equalizer is the understanding of who I am, remembering who I am. I am that power. I am that presence. I am the light and the life that we call God, and so are each and every one of us. When we understand this to such a deep degree that this is the way we live our life, then we have eliminated all potential for phobias, isms, all of it, because we cannot know anyone else as less than if we know who we are. There's a lyric in the song. I see it in your eyes. You believe that lie that you need to hide your face, afraid to step outside so you lock the door, but you don't stay that way. Once I took a cruise. This lyric made me think of this cruise. <laughs> I've taken three cruises in my life on uh, Caribbean cruises. They were all... Uh, chartered ships that were for the LGBTQIA community. This one was marketed predominantly towards men, so there were 3,000 gay men and about 12 lesbians. <laughs> now, on this cruise, you know, you, you have multiple... If you've never taken a cruise before, on this cruise, I, was, I, was, I took... You go to multiple ports, right? And um, this was a seven-day cruise. We had three ports that we stopped at. The last one is oftentimes on these cruise lines uh, in the Bahamas, and every cruise line has their own island, right, that they have purchased, and they've set it up for their own use. And um, When you get off the ship and you're uh, tendered into the, into the island, you go and you have a nice day on the beach, and they serve you lunch, and there, you know, this was uh, this this one cruise that I took. We were in Half Moon Key, and um, they served, you know, basically sandwiches for lunch. And they had all these picnic tables out under this very, very large ramada that could accommodate thousands of people. I mean, it was a huge structure, and all these picnic tables. And I was out there and um, got my lunch, and I'd met a number of people on this cruise, and, and I knew some people that had gone on the cruise with me, and I thought, well, where am I going to sit to have lunch? But I didn't see anybody that I knew, but I saw this one guy sitting at a table by himself. His name was Howard. His name was Howard. I've changed his name to protect the innocent. <laughs> Howard was a podiatrist. It's funny for me to say this now. He was in his 50s. <clears throat> It's funny only because I turned 50 this year, so the idea of, like, 50 being a thing. <clears throat> but there's a thing that happens, and that is in the gay world, which is a terrible thing to say, but I'm going to say it. In that community, I've been put out to pasture, and it's, a, it, 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 it's an unfortunate common idea in that world. That's not really the road I want to go down, except to say this. Howard felt that he had been put out to pasture. And so he was there, sitting alone. And I went and sat and talked to him, and he says, you know, I've been cruising this whole week. This was at the end of the cruise, the day before we went back to Miami. And he said, I've been on this cruise, and I haven't met anybody. I've been alone this whole time. And he was so excited that somebody came and sat with him at his table. Now, he said, you know, I have shyness. I have self-pos self 
professed shyness. I identify myself as shy. And I guess that's really felt, I mean, he, he just started to tell me, and I think it's because I'm a minister. People start to tell me things even if they don't know I'm a minister. He said, and I started to feel really inadequate because here I am with all of these 20-somethings that, go, that spend their lives in the gym, and it doesn't feel like my people. And he said, how do I move past that? How do I step forth into an acknowledgement of what you seem to have? He was comparing himself to me, of what you seem to have, which is boldness. He said, would it surprise you to know, Howard, that I am actually incredibly shy? It surprises a lot of people because they see me as this gregarious minister up on stage every Sunday who like sings and dances and, 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 and has a great deal of enthusiasm. But I could actually identify myself as being incredibly shy. I have a hard time being in groups of people. I am often a wallflower at parties. And the way that I've pushed through that is the advice that I gave to, How to Howard. I said, you know what? Just say hello. What if we start there? Just say hello. He said, but what if they reject me? I said, then you move on because they were not worth your time. They do not value you as a person. Move on. Just say hello. You will find your tribe. You will find those who resonate with you. I guarantee it. I said, I came down and I started this whole conversation with hello. Just say hello. What, what do any of us have to lose? Loss is perception. We have nothing to lose by being bold and stepping forth and saying hello. When perfection meets perfection from a consciousness of perfection, then there is no need to fear. You are perfect just as you are. And I meet perfection Every time I stand at those doors at the end of the service and many of you come by and we hug, we embrace, we say hello, I say peace and blessings, grateful for the interaction. But it's perfection, meeting perfection from the consciousness of perfection. I'm about to take an adventure that brings up a lot of fear in me. People have asked me, what, what, what are you feeling around this? I will admit I'm feeling a lot of fear because I will be traveling in a way that I've never traveled before. I've never traveled internationally by myself. I'm a little nervous about what's happening in France because that's where I land. I'm landing in France. And I'm about to, I'm about to walk 500 miles on a pilgrimage. I'm going to do it. There's, trust me, I've bought the plane tickets. It's happening. <laughs> it's, I am going to do it. It's happening. There's no question it's going to happen. Here's the thing about it, though. Everything that I have read about walking the Camino de Santiago invites this idea. Let go of everything that you think you need to take. The thing that I am realizing I have to let go of that I thought I needed to take was fear. 
I don't need to take fear with me. I know who I am. I'm going to replace fear with excitement, and we can all do that. Every time we are faced with something that is butting up against our belief system, replace the idea with excitement. The choice is mine. I needn't be conformed to this world. I will be transformed by the renewing of my mind. So what is our innate impulse in this thing called life? To live from purpose? What is our personal impulse? What is the collective impulse? Do you believe that your personal impulse can have any effect on a collective impulse? You're right, irrespective of whether you said yes or no. You are right. Today, my encouragement to each and every one of us is to let our impulse be purpose-driven, and that is to say, let it be joy-driven rather than personality-driven, which is looking out there to affirm our good. Let it come from within, because rooted in purpose, we thrive. Peace and blessings. You are magnificent. This is your last homework assignment before my sabbatical because I'm not going to give you a 10-week homework assignment next week. I promise I'm not giving you homework next week. So this week, what I would like us all to do, and if you're new to our community, I give homework every week. Uh, The reason I give homework is because this philosophy is meant to be practiced, and this is the way I encourage us all to put it into practice. So this week, I invite you all to do this. Boldly and fearlessly look at your life and determine if your tendency is purpose-driven or personality-driven. Early in the week, that is today or tomorrow, I would like you to create a purpose statement. Start it by saying, my purpose is, and fill in the blank. Create a purpose statement and then carry it with you everywhere you go as a constant reminder. If it's a little piece of paper in your pocket, let it be a constant reminder. And let all subsequent decisions you make throughout the week be in alignment with that purpose. Hi, this is Reverend Jonathan Zenz, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast of my Sunday message. Your financial support will ensure that we can continue to offer this as an option for inspiration. You can make your tax-deductible contribution in any amount on our website, unitytucson.com. Once again, thank you for listening. You are magnificent. Namaste.